Dearly beloved and church family, it is becoming increasingly apparent to me, and no doubt to many of us gathered here today, that increasingly we are living in the last days, in the end days, increasingly, where perilous time shall come, and men shall be lovers of themselves, and not lovers of God. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And as we seek really to obey the Lord's great commission, and we go out on the highways and the byways, as we've done recently as a church fellowship, and we compel people to come in with a gospel call to truly repent and turn from their sins, and we evangelize Tiverton and surrounding areas, it's becoming increasingly apparent that amongst many, many professing Christians who we, we, we speak to and who we meet, there is a complete, a complete undermining of the Word of God and the sufficiency of Holy Scripture for both faith and practice. It would seem that even the basics of Holy Scripture have become optional now for many Christians. And it's... It's really telling of the, of the times that we live in. We speak to many Christians and we talk to them about the, the, the necessity of the new birth. And it seems that many people don't even, it seems like it's an added optional to be born again. We speak to, to people about uh, church, uh, things like uh, that men should preach the word of God. It shouldn't be women vicars. And these things almost seem like optional things to many. And so it seems, it seems uh, increasingly apparent to me, friends, and no doubt many of us here today, that there is a complete undermining of the Word of God amongst many professing Christians, not only in Tiverton, but in, in the West in, in, uh, as a whole. And really this devaluing of the Word of God is very telling to what type of Christianity many people stand for in our day. Whether it is a worldly or cultural Christianity, or if it is one truly grounded in the Gospel and the Word of God. The inspired words of the Apostle Paul really ring true to this effect in 1 Corinthians 14.8. For if the trumpets give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself? for the battle. If the trumpets give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? The trumpet, dear friends, in the West is giving a very uncertain sound. It's a sound of unbelief in the Word of God, faithlessness in the Word of God, and not a confidence in the, in the Word of God. It's a sound of retreat, basically. It's a retreating sound. It's not a victorious sound. And many, many people, why are we the only, one of the only churches to actually go out and proclaim the gospel in the high street? And I'm not saying this arrogantly, I'm saying this is because we are commanded to do so, to go out on the highways and the byways. You see, friends, I, 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 the biggest problem with the Church of Jesus Christ nowadays is worldliness. That people, even many professing Christians, don't actually believe in the Word of God as the authority in their lives. And it is, we are living increasingly in these perilous times. 
And so with this in mind, friends, it is my intention this Lord's Day morning to call such professors to really examine themselves, whether they are truly profiting from the word of the living God. If, if they take the word of God as it is from God and not from men, if the word of God has the authority in their lives and actually whether it has profit them, it discovers, the word of God really discovers whether we are true born-again Christians or not. And so that is my intention this Thursday morning. Our text for today is taken from Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. The word of God is powerful and is quick and it gets right through to the matter. It gets right through to the souls, the soul. It, it, it changes someone's life completely. It's completely transforming. It's a life changer, as it were. And friends, what does this change look like when the word of God is truly profited, as it were, when it's truly taken on board? What effects does the word of God have upon a true believing heart? Well, firstly, the change of the heart is evidenced by how the Word of God convicts a believer of their sin. The, the, word, of God, the, the word of God convicts a believer of their sin. That's an evidence that someone is truly profiting from the Word of God. There is daily convicting of someone's sin. And there is daily mortifying of the sins of the heart and the mind. Luke 5.31 They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Christ did not come to say, to call the righteous. He came to call sinners unto repentance. Those who understand that they've fallen way, way short of the mark. And this is not just a, a one-off battle. When they are saved, yes, they are saved for eternity. But this is an ongoing war. Sin, besetting sins, inbred sins, it's an ongoing war to be fought. And so there's daily light to, to be needed, as it were. When the Spirit applies the word of divine power, a person cries out, as it were, Woe well, unto me, for I am undone. Sin in the heart of a believer becomes exceedingly sinful. It, it, even the, 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 the suspicion of sin in the heart becomes exceedingly sinful in a believer's heart. It's not how that, that person used to be. They don't treat sin how they used to be. They take sin deadly serious because it's so destructive in our lives. In fact, it took, the, it took God himself to give his holy life for our sin. And so, friends, we should treat it as, as we ought to treat it. Uh, but it's very telling, isn't it? When speaking to many professors nowadays, out in the highways and the, by and the byways, how many of our people have such a low view of sin? And it is a lamentable fact that most professors don't see it that way. And yes, they may be well-versed in particular tenets of Scripture and doctrines of Scripture, 
They may have read much of Bible history, of Jewish customs, of typology, of festival days, of geography, of philosophy, of biblical numerance and, and uh, prophecy. They, 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 they may be ever learning, as it were. They may, I've met people who are scholars in this respect. And, and yet, for all that learning, there is no true yearning, as it were, for spiritual edification, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, as the Word of God says. There's no truly godly sorrow, daily godly sorrow, over their sin. You know, we think about George Whitfield every day, that godly man, he was so convicted of his sin that he used to write down those, those things. I'm not saying we should do that, but he was so convicted that he, he would concentrate at the end of the night on all those things which he thought may have displeased God. And not just uh, evidences, but things, things which he hasn't done for the Lord. If I know what is good and I don't do that which is good, it is sin to the believer. And of course, justification by faith. There, there really has been a great falling away of the true, serious, committed Christian in our day who walks by faith in Christ alone and is governed by the Word of God alone. And the, and the Word really challenges, challenges us in this respect. It sharpens, as, as it were, it cuts off the fat of sin in this respect, if we truly take it to heart. But this, friends, has been replaced by flowery sermons and, of course, will worship. And that is worshipping God on our terms, according to our lusts, not according to the Word of God. For the worldly Christian, there's no true hatred of sin. There's no true hatred of sin. There's no true uh, lasting confession of heart sins and sins of the mind. There's no true loathing of all that is unholy and unjust. The, world, the worldly Christian will not say like David in Psalm 119, I hate every false way. He will not say, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. He will not forsake sin and take up his cross daily and deny himself. He will not say, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He will not fortify himself and frame himself against sin, but will be found in those places or doing those things which best accommodate sin. And this is what we see amongst many professors around us. The change in the heart of the believer is truly evidenced when by the grace of God the believer practices the opposite of sin, to overcome evil with good. The good that we, we have in Christ, that which he has wrought in our hearts. The most effective way, of course, of keeping a plot from being overgrown with weeds and tears is to sow good seed, isn't it? And, of course, there will always be tears there, we know that. But it is to sow good seed. The more Christ's words dwell richly in our hearts and we seek to apply them, the less room there will be for sin, self, and the world. And so let a man so examine himself here today. And those who come to listen to this, let us examine ourselves, whether we truly treat sin in this way, and whether we are truly profiting from the Word of God. Secondly, 
A true change in the heart is evidenced when the Word of God so convinces them of the supernatural nature of who God is. That God is holy. That God is without sin. And they are so convinced that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That these are God's words here. That they are God-breathed. And they come with great authority in our lives. And a believer is absolutely convinced of these things. There's no questioning these things. There's no saying, well, I'll do these things with my life. I'll cherry-pick the type of Christianity I want. And this is what we're seeing all around us. The natural man doesn't believe the inspiration of God's holy word. The natural man doesn't believe in divine revelation. And sadly today, many worldly Christians don't believe it either. Because oh, well, we don't have to obey, obey the word of God here or here or this. We can come up with a Christianity which is, which is best for us, as it were, which best accommodates our lifestyle. And this isn't Christianity, true biblical Christianity. It's not even Christianity. A supernatural knowledge of God produces a supernatural faith and a trust in the promises of God in Christ and in the Word of God. And most of our, the Christianity of our day is mere touching up of the old Adam, as it were. It's just a, a mere putting on of a, a, a new coat upon a dirty coat, as it were. That's what, what much of our Christianity is about. It's an outward form without the, the true saving grace in the heart. It's a, a supernatural saviour dwells supernaturally in the heart and completely transforms a person's life. They become a very honest, truthful person. They want to live for the Lord exclusively. They have received the spirit of truth. And that completely transforms their heart and their lives. This supernatural experience of being born again in Christ yields supernatural fruit for the Lord. And the supernatural knowledge of God understands that God always sees. God always sees. Whether man sees or not, God always sees. And so when a man is so convinced of his sin through profiting spiritually from the scriptures, and, and they see their depravity for what it is, and they're so struck by the supernatural and sovereign power and nature of God, it is only a matter of time before he testifies of Christ to be the only saviour of sinners and his own personal saviour. An individual is only really profited by the scriptures when they reveal in him his utter need of Christ and his precious words. They become absolutely dependent upon the Lord. There's a daily taking hold upon the Lamb by faith, as it were, and a dependence upon the Lord. And a dependence upon His Word as a, a light and a lamp, as it were. He, the, the Christian longs for Christ's return. This world is not their friend, as it were. They don't want to befriend the world. They are more interested in the next world. And so let a man examine himself, whether he be a, more, a mere professor of Christ, or, or if there's been a real change in the heart, as it were. And Christ has become precious, more precious than anything. 
Thirdly, a true change in the heart is evidenced when daily heartfelt prayer is prayed in God's name. Luke 18 and 7, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? Notice here, they're, they're not just praying here, they're crying day and night unto the Lord. This is heartfelt, earnest prayer. They understand the sin that they're living in. They understand that the whole world lies in wickedness. They understand what they're up against. And so they're depending utterly upon the Lord. They're crying to the Lord. And so this is a truth, really, which is evidence in the heart of a true believer. There is a brokenness there. There is a conviction of sin there. There is a desire to be holy and useful, as it were. The hypocrite is more concerned for his long prayers in public and more than in private. He will go around the world twice, as it were, in public, uh, and, and want people to, to know what a, a, a godly person he is. And so he will go around the world twice in public, but he will not so much as give a minute up in private prayer to pray for the poor lost sinners around him. Fourthly, a truly changed heart is evidenced to the lost by good works. To the lost by good works, as James in the epistle clearly teaches. Those that love the Lord and desire to be used of the Lord, they constantly employ the means of grace in their lives. The faith which God has saved, that God has saved them, they, they are saved for eternity, but that faith establishes the good works. And so they are constantly employing the means of grace in their lives. You know, the doctrines of grace were never ever meant to be used as an excuse for worldly and libertine living. They were never ever meant to be used. And such professors that use the doctrines of grace to excuse worldly living and liberty living, as it were, they do great damage to, to the cause of Christ. Biblical separation is a biblical doctrine. And those who just casually brush aside these things, really you've got to question whether the, the, the words actually profited their hearts. There is a laxity, a looseness, as it were, in the days that we're living in. The standard has so dropped, as it were. Scripture teaches us no such thing. Titus 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things are all that thou affirm constantly, constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. We profit from the word when we truly embrace the absolute necessity of the gospel for good works. The gospel, when it saves us, establishes the good works. Those that have no fruit and, and have no desire, really, you've got to question whether they actually have know the gospel savingly. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so fifthly, a truly changed heart is evidenced by obedience to the word of God. 
obedience to the word of God. James says of James 1.22, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's the doers of the word of God that are justified. Many, many professors have been deceived into thinking that they are, are obedient by mere church attendance or by tithing. And these things, of course, are commendable. But what it's talking about here is God requires obedience from the heart. He requires obedience from the soul. He must be Lord of all. Lord of our whole life, of our whole heart, as it were. Not just parts of our lives. And where there is a growth in grace, there is an increased desire to be conformed to His image and to the Word of God, and not to the culture. If ye love me, keep my commandments, says the Lord Jesus in John 14, 15. Being born again is not an optional extra, as many people think it is. We spoke to speak to so many people, we say, a man must be born again. Have you been born again? And it's like an optional extra. Amongst many other things, biblical separation, many other things. And they say, well, no, I haven't Well, you, you can't call yourself a true Christian. And we, we say so in love, because it's not being loving. You're not being loving to people when you, you're, you're not being truthful to them. Those who care for your soul are your best friends. Christ told people how it is. And we must do the same. If you love me, keep my commandments. True love for Christ delights in the commandments. Although we can never, of course, uh, keep the commandments perfectly, there is a desire, isn't there? There is a true desire to love them, to delight in them. Uh, there's a new creation in Christ. And just as the fire cannot be separated from the heat, so cannot justification from sanctification. When, when we are justified in Christ and we are truly converted, that naturally, as a byfruit of that, sanctification comes. A pattern of disconformity and disobedience to the Word of God really does reveal the true foundation of many nominal Christians and worldly Christians in the days that we're living in. That's why, why I think we are increasingly living in the last days. Uh, in perilous days. Women vicars, no problem. No problem with women vicars. Charismatic, sensual, worldly worship, no problem, they say. That's not a problem in our church. Churches together, doesn't matter if it's a Catholic church, doesn't matter if it's a, a church that's massively compromised on the word, not a problem. Not a problem at all. Well, I'm sorry, it is a problem. Because it's a problem with the, the Word of God says it's a problem. But you see, friends, we're living in the days, now, nowadays, where these things don't matter. The Word of God hasn't profited many who profess the name of Christ. And so let a man examine his heart to see whether he truly conforms with the Word of God. Whether there has been a true change in their heart, not just a and put him on of a new garment over an old one, whether there has been a real change, a supernatural change in the heart, a true hatred of sin, and a true love for the Lord. And of course, this is only by God's grace. And sixthly, a true change in the heart is evidence 
where the believer no longer sets his hopes and affections upon the fading, fleeting things of this world anymore. The, the believer sets their hearts upon the world to come, upon Christ and eternity. James 4.4, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy to God. This world seeks to alienate us from the, uh, uh, our affections, from the soul, from God. This world seeks to divert our hearts from loving the Lord with all the, the vanities and distractions. This passing world is one big show, it's, and it will soon be over. It's, it's like a vapor. It's going to be here now, and it's going to be gone very, very quickly. It's a big fraud, as it were. And we should not befriend it, as it were. Yes, we are called to love those in the world, but we should never love the evil things of this world. And we see this with many professing Christians of our day. 1 John 5, 19 says, The whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lieth in wickedness. This world and its evil systems are diametrically opposed to our Christian faith. They are hostile to our faith. Now, would we love and befriend that which is against us and against God? A true child of God is called to war against the evil of this world. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith in, in Christ. True saving faith. Faith in the Word. We've got His promises. We've got His Word. And we walk by faith. Those who are truly born of God understand that the world is an enemy to be resisted and overcome, not to be befriended. According to Galatians 1.4, Christ died not only to deliver us from hell, but also from this present world, it says. And so one does certainly not get that impression from by the much worldly Christianity around us. Friends, we, we only profit from the Word of God if our hearts are weaned off this world. The vanities of this world appeal to every fallen instinct of man, don't they? 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The true doctrine of biblical separation is despised by most professing Christians today. It's despised. You speak to, to Christians about biblical separation, they call you a legalist. They, 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 they start gossiping about you, calling you all such names. But this is a biblical doctrine. This is something which Christians, many Christians, trusted in. And were very careful to observe. And what does that tell you about the Christianity in the West and the standard to which we've dropped to nowadays? Friends, it, is not, it really is not my intention to condemn anyone who finds himself in this perilous condition, to be a mere professor, as it were, of Christ. It is my intention, however, to show you that you must take God at his word. You must take God at his word. And not what this Christian tells you, or that Christian tells you, 
or, or, or have what that book says, but God and His Word. What does the Word of God say? We must take God at His Word. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. It's forever settled in heaven. If you desire to be truly converted, you must become serious about the Word of God. The Word of God must profit you. You must take it to heart and truly see it as this is the Word of the living God. And like it did with Timothy, it is able to truly bring salvation. That thou hast known the Scriptures, even from a youth, and is able to save thee unto salvation. And it's true. But you see, we've been, we've been pulled aside, as it were, by much of the worldly Christianity. Oh, you don't have to do this. Oh, you, no, you don't have to be a serious Christian. You don't have to be a pure, holy Christian. You don't have to be a committed Christian. You don't have to be a Christian that adheres to the Word of God. It's a sad fact, isn't it? The state of affairs that our country is in. It says in John 3.19, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. John 3.19 Men don't come to the light, because the light reveals their depravity. And their sin. There is a reason why many people don't want to be under a searching ministry. They don't want the, the, the minister to put their finger on the spot, as it were. They want, they've got itching ears. They want to be told. They're told all of the good things, as it were. They don't want a searching ministry that discovers their sin. And this is the days that we're living in. But a, a true child of God will want Increasingly to be under the Word of God. Uh, uh, this is good for me. It challenges me. It challenges my presuppositions. It, it guides me. It gives light to me. It comforts me. We, we need to profit from the Word of God. And so will you come to the light of the world? Will you come to Christ who is the light of the world this day? Will you take God at His Word? Um, I really hope and pray that we will all take God at His word before it's too late. Amen.